0: So if you focus on the thing that you're trying to get rid of, you're making it worse just by doing that. If you go to a party thinking that you are boring, that you've got nothing to say and that you're miserable, and you focus on your misery, guess what you look like? <laughs> you look like that person that no one wants to talk to.
1: Welcome to Stand Out Get Noticed, the podcast that helps you speak and present with star confidence. I'm Christina Cantors, your host and founder of The C-Method, communication skills training. For free resources and to subscribe to the show, visit thecmethod.com. Hello, Rockstar. Welcome to episode 113 of Standout Get Noticed. Christina with you here. I hope you've been enjoying the best of episodes. That's been the last few episodes. This week, I am back with a fantastic guest for you. His name is Dr. Steve Carey, and he's a clinical hypnotherapist. Shout out to listener Joel for asking me if I had tried hypnotherapy. My answer is no, but it did give me the idea to bring hypnotherapist Steve onto the show to hear his thoughts on how our brains and the way we think impacts our confidence and ability to communicate effectively. Pretty interesting, huh? I thought so. Now, Steve has many years and thousands of clients worth of experience in the field of clinical hypnotherapy. He specializes in helping clients stop smoking and other substance abuse issues and in treating anxiety and stress. He also works with clients looking to improve performance, whether studying for exams, improving their sports performance or in the workplace. I actually met Steve when he was teaching business and professional communications at Melbourne University back when I was studying architecture, and he was the first person I ever interviewed for my first podcast back in 2013. And if you want to hear that interview, I will link it up in the show notes. They'll be at thecmethod.com slash Steve. Now, I was initially really interested in learning more about hypnotherapy and I discovered that it's not just about going to sleep and waking up and clucking like a chicken. You'll hear from Steve how he thought the same thing about hypnotherapy until he actually gave it a try. We also talk about how he helps clients with building confidence and how we can retrain our minds to help us handle nerve-wracking situations like public speaking or social events. And if after listening, you feel like you could benefit with some help from Steve, I'll also put his contact details in the show notes for you as well. Okay, before we get to that interview, I have two announcements. The first one's really quick. I will be speaking at a networking breakfast on the 14th of June at the Fresh Networking Speed networking event. And the talk I'll be giving will be on how to create a great personal pitch so that when you are networking, you can introduce yourself with confidence and ease and no more standing around awkwardly wishing you were somewhere else. Now, I've been to a few of these fresh networking events and the people there are really, really friendly. It's a really supportive environment. So if you want to connect with like-minded business owners, make sure you do come. It's on the 14th of June at 7 a.m., so only super keen people are going to be there, I promise. 14th of June, 7am. It's $30, which includes breakfast and coffee, and it's in South Yarra. For those of you in Melbourne and who love early mornings, I'll put a link in the show notes or check out my Facebook page. I'll put a link in there too. Hope to see you there. Now, the second announcement. I am so excited about this one. I am rolling out a six-week group coaching program in July. Now, the reason for this is because while I have been really enjoying doing my one-on-one coaching, I also love working with groups as it provides an opportunity for participants to practice their new skills with each other as well and provide that support and accountability. Now, this program is for high-performing professionals in leadership positions, and the goal is to help you build your presence, impact, and confidence at work through better communication, of course. This program is for you if you are kicking goals at work. Perhaps you've taken on a new management or leadership position and you're now having to give presentations to clients or to your team. You're having to run meetings, present to senior management, connect with colleagues at networking events, and now people are looking to you as an authority. But You're feeling daunted by all of this because you haven't had to do it before and no one's taught you how to do it, let alone provide a safe environment in which to practice. And that's what this group coaching program is all about. It's designed to equip you with the skills to help you become an effective speaker and leader. So it's an all-around communication skills training. So you can stand out at work, build your professional presence, lead with confidence and have better, more productive relationships with your team and colleagues. Because it's all well and good to be a great presenter or speaker, but if you can't have great relationships with your colleagues as well and rally them up and get them on board with you and your ideas, it's going to be very difficult to spread that effectiveness as, as a leader. Now, the program will cover the elements of communication that I get asked for help with constantly, being how to deliver a compelling, engaging presentation, how to speak and lead with authority in meetings, and how to introduce yourself effectively at networking events and to make more meaningful connections with others. It's going to be a six-week program where you get access to online course materials, weekly group coaching calls, and one-on-one sessions with me. Oh, and also you don't have to be in Australia for this training. It will be conducted online. So I'm very excited about that. Now, because this is small group coaching, I am capping it at six people, six people. And I'm doing this so that you get personalized attention, which will help to maximize your results. Now, if this is something you would like to learn more about, you do need to have an initial call with me because I am limiting it to six people. I need to make sure the program is a fit and that each person who joins is committed and willing to participate in the group. So if you are interested, book in a 20-minute call with me. You don't have to pay for it. It's free. And we'll discuss if the program is right for you go to thecmethod.com slash groupcoaching. That's thecmethod.com slash groupcoaching. There's a form there to fill out, to book in a call, or you can book in a call through my booking link directly. Now, I cannot tell you how excited I am about this program. I am a big believer that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you're struggling at work and you don't feel supported, a group program like this may be the perfect thing to support and help you take your career to the next level. And I would be absolutely honored to be the person to facilitate that for you. So if that sounds good, go to thecmethod.com slash groupcoaching. I look forward to speaking with you. Okay, now let's move on to this week's conversation. Let's meet clinical hypnotherapist Steve Carey. You know that you were the very first person I ever interviewed for a podcast. I was? Ever. Wow. I interviewed you back in November 2013 that's three and a half years ago.
0: Wow. And your podcast survived having me as its first <laughs> guest.
1: It sure did. <laughs> Went well. on to bigger
0: and better things.
1: So I, I believe it was episode three and we talked about communication skills because mm. that's, that's actually you were the person who taught me that communication was a skill that you could actually learn. And can I just say that it was because of learning that that actually inspired my journey into doing what I do now. Oh, Wow. So everyone listening, you're listening to the guy who without, without him, this podcast would not exist. It literally would not exist. Gosh. And I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for you. Seriously. So thank you. My pleasure. Wow. (laughs) That's absolute truth. That is, it's big, but it's absolute truth. It's absolute truth. So thank you. Okay. Where were we? Now back then we were talking about communication. Today I want to talk about. Your work with hypnotherapy and what Mm. you and how you help your clients, Mm. and this came about because a podcast listener, Joel, emailed me to say, "Have you tried hypnotherapy? I've I've had it done before, and I've um, my son's experienced it as well, and it's really helped with his own confidence." And that got me thinking because it's not something that I'd considered before. So, just to get us started, can you can tell can you tell me about what first drew you to hypnotherapy?
0: What first drew me to hypnotherapy, Um, I kind of entered it by a short introduction to NLP, which um, I'm sure some of your listeners will know and and some won't know. It's neuro-linguistic programming, which turns out to have a really interesting connection with hypnotherapy because the two guys who developed that body of work, neuro-linguistic programming, were working with the transcripts of three therapists, Fritz Perls, Virginia Satir, and this weird, wonderful, wacky guy called Milton Erickson. And I've, I've always been the sort of person who wants to get back to the origins of things. Where did this stuff come from? And I, I stumbled against one of my um, intellectual prejudices, which I found very embarrassing because I thought I was beyond all that. <laughs> because I knew nothing at all about hypnosis, but I did know that it was nonsense. And I realized that you, you can't hold both of those ideas at the same time. I don't know anything about it, but I've got a very strong opinion about its worth or otherwise. So I thought I was, I was going to explore this and find out if it really was nonsense, in which case I could rest comfortable or whether this weird Milton Erickson guy who was using hypnotherapy a lot, whether he was actually using a really valuable tool. And I guess that we're sitting here now probably gives the answer away as to what I came away with. Mm. And for me, actually, it's, um, what I really love about it is it's a particularly elegant use of language. It's a way of using language, of using communication to go back to the subject of our first discussion, um, in a strategic way, in a way that helps people to, to get the change that they, they want in their lives.
1: Mm. So you were originally interested in NLP. You're practicing um, NLP.
0: Well, I didn't know that I was. I was actually on a. I was actually on a week long um, business school trip in the in the UK back in about two thousand and six, and we were inter- we were given a one hour introduction to NLP. The first thing that struck me as interesting was that the guy was smart enough. He didn't call it an introduction to NLP. He called it a master class in NLP. Okay. Means the same thing, but would you rather be someone who's attending a masterclass or an introduction? Oh, yes. Of course, it was a bunch <laughs> of middle-aged, middle-aged blokes who fancied their, fancied themselves. So to be told that we were doing a masterclass, and I thought that's interesting. That suggests, um, what the point that he was making with a lot of this NLP stuff, which is that the way that you express an idea can matter massively, uh, you know of course the content of an idea is important but how you express it how you choose to express it and to recognize that you've got lots of different choices and that they can have different results is is a very powerful insight and that's mm. really started triggering my my thought in that direction
1: wow so take me back to your first clients what what did you start helping people with initially
0: um well, actually, let me go back to the, my first experience of hypnosis mm. because armed with this with this new um realization that I was going to have to do some work on this, I went and found someone and said, "I just want an experience of hypnosis to see if it's real because i'm I, I I like to see the evidence and to experience it for myself and Of course, like most people, I assumed I couldn't be hypnotized. I didn't know what that actually meant, and I didn't really know whether I could, but I assumed that it meant that you were weak of mind or something if you could be hypnotized." It turned out after about two minutes with um, Sonia Devine was the name of the lady who hypnotized me the first time, I was out like a light. And, and I I remembered nothing that she said after she started speaking during the hypnosis part of the session. Wow. And then people, when that's happened to people since, to clients, and, and it, it does happen um, quite a lot, not always, they say, well... But how do I know I wasn't just asleep? And there are various physiological signs, but a really interesting one for me is there's a thing called a, an idiomotor signal. You can uh, stroke someone's finger. The, so the forefinger can become a signal for yes, and the next finger can be a signal for no, which means that they can communicate without actually having to speak, without having to use the voice, which tends to raise you out of that level of of um, trance. Um, well, it turns out that I, I was doing those signals quite satisfactorily all the way through and had no recollection of them at all.
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh,
0: it's kind of quite spooky in a, in a really interesting sort of a way. So
1: what did she hypnotize you to actually do or ch- did, did you change in any way as a result of I, that experience?
0: I, I did. I, I said to her, she said, well, while you're here, we might as well work on something. I said, look, honestly, I haven't, haven't really got anything particular that I want to work on. Um, but I've got a sort of sneaking suspicion that this might become quite important to me. I don't know why or how at the time I was a, I was a business consultant so I was whizzing around uh, Melbourne and this was 10 years ago when there were lots of bookshops around particularly second-hand bookshops and as a direct resu- it seemed to me as a direct result of that session I developed almost like a like a mania for um diverting myself to all of these bookshops to see if they had any great new books on hypnosis I hadn't already read and it became almost like a, a compulsion, and that sort of reinforced the feeling. I mean, in a good, in a positive way. I was, I, I, I was never late for appointments. I just used to schedule in an extra half an hour to nip by uh, Carlton or whatever <laughs> it was. But that, that then I thought, now that's interesting because that wasn't even happening at a conscious level. It was something that was happening quite deep down within me. Um, and so it's proved to be, you know, I've, I've, I've ended up doing what I'm doing. I had no, no expectation that I would end up actually practicing this. I was just interested in it from a sort of an intellectual point of view.
1: Mm. And so what's the main thing that you help your clients with now?
0: Um, well, there isn't one main thing. I suppose the, the obvious thing, most people would know someone or maybe someone who's stopped smoking using hypnotherapy. Um, and that, so that's a very, very common one. And it's a good one to start with just as an example, because you think, well, um, I'll often get someone who say, um, I must have an addictive personality because I can't stop smoking. Almost everyone who smokes has actually stopped smoking, sometimes for quite long periods of time, three months, six months, a year, 15 months. Um, and they, they will use that as evidence that they've got an addictive personality. Well, I actually think it's the opposite. Because if you can stop for more than three or four days, the addiction, the physical addiction has gone away. So it's not the physical addiction that is driving you back to the cigarettes, which can really only mean one thing, that the cigarettes have, they're doing a job for you. They're doing something good for you. And I like to have two questions for clients. They can always answer the first question. What's so bad about smoking then? And I don't even really need to hear the answer, but I need to know what their particular take on it is. And that might be that it's health or that their doctor told them that it's really causing them a lot of problems or they want to see their grandchildren grow up or they don't want to be a bad role model for their kids. They've always got that answer down pat. The next question, which I don't usually ask quite as directly, but which is really what I'm looking for is, so what's so good about smoking then? And they go, Huh? Uh, what kind of a stupid question is that? If there was anything good about smoking, I wouldn't want to stop. Well, actually, there is something good about smoking. And to me, it seems as if at a subconscious level, I mean, take an example, say a 25 year old, um, uh, woman who is now pregnant really doesn't want to be smoking. She's got much more bigger things in, in her life than, mm-hmm. than cigarettes. But she may have started smoking at 16 or 17 because it was cool. I don't know if it's still cool for, for teenagers to smoke. It certainly used to be in, in my day or because she thought it was going to stop her putting weight on or for whatever reason. Now, at a subconscious level, that reason's never really gone away. She may, they may not be her conscious priorities anymore. The baby is clearly her major focus, but at a subconscious level that it's still doing the same job. So what we're looking to do is not to get rid of the smoking. We actually want to discover what job the smoking is doing find an alternative solution and then the smoking tends to kind of dissipate by itself because you've you've presented the, subco- the subconscious with this bright, glittery new thing that is doing the same job but doesn't have the, the, the old familiarity.
1: In terms of how this can relate to someone who's feeling not very confident, mm. maybe they're at work or they have a fear of public speaking, and you were saying before how... It's not the it's not the public speaking it's not about the presenting in meetings it's not about the going out there and talking to people it's that subconscious thing that that's informed our the way that we perceive the world and how we think mm. others what how we think other people are going to think about us and uh, and all of that have have you worked with people with issues around that before and what are those subconscious things that people feel
0: Absolutely. Uh, it's very common, actually. Um, more common, I think, than we realize. And this is one of the first the first insights that I think is helpful for people that um, the tragedy of the human condition, it seems to me, is that we compare our insides with other people's outsides. We've got special access to the way that we feel and what we really think and we and that voice that we hear running through our head. Um, we can't, we can't really directly experience that from anybody else. All we can see is, is what they present to the world. And that may look very differently on the outside than it actually feels inside. So we end up scaling our own feeling against other people's externals. Does, does that make sense? Can you give, can
1: you give an example of that?
0: Well, if you, if you were to think of someone who, who had social anxiety, for instance, which is, which is really quite common, and they might say something looked Uh, like, look, my my wife drags me out to these parties and I really don't want to go because I've got nothing to say. And I'm, you know, I I think I'm probably quite a boring person, actually, because I don't, it doesn't light me up when we get to the party and everyone's having such a great time. There's a couple over there and they're flirting and there's people over there dancing and telling each other jokes and having such a great time. And I just feel like I just want to go home. I've got nothing to say. And you say to them, well, how do you know that they're having a good time? you say well because i can see it you can see they're laughing and they're joking and they're being animated so if if you were laughing and joking and animated imagine that you just kind of did that would you be having a good time oh no no i wouldn't <laughs> well, hang on do you not see the logical the logical disparity here that that we're judging people's experience based on their externals and i think that that for me is one of the key things that people who um and all of us even those of us who seem very confident i ha- i think have these these doubts and these this self-recrimination and all the rest of it um that we the first thing that, that is really helpful to do is to scale ourselves against other people i mean how do we know that everyone else at a party is really confident well it, it actually take it from me um because I, I come across as very confident. I don't necessarily feel that way, but I've learned certain things. I know this is a big thing that you talk about a lot, Christina, which is that it's always helpful to think about something as being a skill that can be learned rather than just an aptitude or the way that you're made mm-hmm. or the way that you're born. And, and I've become much more interested in whether things are useful than whether they're true. So it kind of doesn't matter whether it's true or not, which is going to give you a better result. If you assume that vivacious, charismatic people are born that way, they don't have to work at it. It's easy. They just kind of knock it out without trying or that it's something that maybe they've got certain aptitude for, but that it's something that they've worked hard, that they've tried out, that they've reflected on, that they've battled those doubts and managed to somehow find their way to the skills that then, because success breeds success. That once you start having a, an experience of, of having some fun in one of these situations, all you've learned is – you were just telling me a story before we started recording about someone that you – that who, who said that exactly too, you. you. shared some techniques and tools with him and then he was excited to go away and want to, to try them.
1: Mm, it completely shifted his whole perception of networking events. Because he, beforehand, he was like, I hate networking events. I never have anything to say. And then we created a great personal pitch that he could use and a great way to explain what he did. And then he got excited about going. So you're right. It's all about that p- perception and actually having and thinking to yourself, is this useful? Is this going to help me and serve me? Or is mm. it actually continuing to hold me back?
0: Mm. And and so when you arrive at this event, I mean, uh, 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 the person you were just talking about there is he's... Is his- already dramatically increased his chances of going well there because he's got some techniques and skills and that's very important. And also because he's now thinking about it in a different way. He's kind of excited. He's a little bit sort of curious to see how this is going to go. And you know, every, all of us know that that's going to be a better frame of mind, more likely to be conducive to success. So that, that would be the first step. Um, and the second one related to that would be this notion of reframing, of thinking about what you're experiencing differently. Um, and by that I might mean something like, uh, because sometimes people who, who, I know the sort of people that, you know, that, that you're, you're working with, Christina, who want to get good at public speaking or they want to get good in a group situation. They often set out with an unrealistic expectation that they want to be completely calm and completely relaxed about it. Um, which is unrealistic because it's actually that, that kind of little bit of juice and that little bit of, anxiety that drives you to actually do your very best work. If you turn up to the world cup final and it's just like another game, you will not play your best game ever. So we all need a little bit of that just to, just to get us going. So if you start to reframe, um, what you're feeling as being excitement rather than nerves, That by itself, and and it sounds like such a little thing, but if you actually start reflecting on that and thinking, what is it that I'm really feeling and and how can I use that? What are the benefits Mm. of this so it's not just a negative?
1: Absolutely. I just finished reading a book by Ruby Wax. She wrote a book Mm. called Say New World and it was about how she used mindfulness to help with her depression and anxiety. And she said that one of the things that really helped her was to when she felt these ang- anxious thoughts come up or she felt the depression hitting her in inside she would label it she would say oh hello that's depression oh she would actually personify it she would give mm. it a name she would go oh that's frank she would say oh that that's frank frank's a crazy lunatic and frank's you know coming up mm. now to to try and get the better of me but it's okay he won't be here for long and oh here comes susie she's terrified of everything you know so she actually Mm. labeled each emotion and feeling and that was that enabled her to distance herself from it and I think what you're saying with that relates to you know feeling these nerves come up and going okay can I use these in a different way instead of going this is in me this is part of me that I can't Mm. I can't do anything about it it's actually taking control and taking that that step back
0: yeah, that's, that's a beautiful way of expressing it. The, the language, the, the term that we tend to use is, is for that is dissociation. Mm. Um, and, and that, that too is a very helpful way. I mean, if you, if you, I, I, I just thought about this the other day. I was thinking about, you're asking about the sorts of issues that people come and present to see a hypnotherapist with. But here, here are some of them. And if you just wonder to yourself, what have these things got in common? Blushing, insomnia, Um, social anxiety, uh, impotence, you know, they, they seem to be such, such different things, but one of the things that they do have in common is that the more you think about them, the worse they get. Okay. So if you focus on the thing that you're trying to get rid of, mm. you're making it worse just by doing that. If you, f- if you go to a party thinking that you are boring, that you've got nothing to say and that you're miserable and you focus on your misery, guess what you look like? <laughs> you look like that person that no one wants to talk to except out of pity. So this dissociation that you just mentioned that Ruby Wax is talking about is, it can be really helpful that instead of focusing on our innards, um it really is actually helpful to start focusing on the externals what what is the, the the mask or the face that you are showing to the world how are you using your body language because they're very trainable skills and and you would know this because you've trained so many people in them that that if you if you start to practice these things there are things that work and things that don't because body language has cultural meaning because the way that your face looks if you've got Excuse the term, but if you've got resting bitch face and you're at a party, don't be doing the resting bitch face thing. Yeah. Do the smiling thing.
1: Yeah. Don't don't wonder why people won't talk to you if yeah. you're sulking in the corner.
0: And and uh you know, um a, a big Melbourne identity died just just yesterday, Lou Richards. And one of the great anecdotes that I heard somebody telling him about him last night was uh he said, "You can go around with a long face and feeling bitter against the world." But meanwhile, the rest of the world is just getting on with their business they don't know they don't care and again another psychology experiment was to um was to dip uh, a brush in this special liquid and to write on the faces of the of the subjects the word sex on their forehead and say to, and send them out for the day and then come back and report their experience
1: Did they know what was on there Yes, they oh, okay. were told that this was this
0: was a <laughs> sure. special liquid and the word was sex. So come back and tell me what your day was like when you've had the word sex painted across your forehead. You know what the special liquid was? What? Water.
1: <laughs> and what was their report when they came back?
0: Dramatically different. Uh, Im- imagine if you've got the word sex written on your face. You're going to be making a lot of eye contact and and noticing things about people and, and not necessarily positive or negative, just different. Your focus is going to really be on that. More... um sort of obviously they sent students out in fairly offensive t-shirts you know with a picture of hitler's face on or whatever and then asked them how many people they thought had noticed and to to a surprising degree very few people notice that because we're all caught up in our own mm. stuff so if you can if you can work on your externals and remind yourself that really very few people know or notice what you're doing uh and if they do they don't care that that can all actually mm. help
1: Oh, and especially, um I say this to my clients, when they're getting up to speak in front of an audience, you think that, oh, everyone's looking at me, they're all judging me, they're all commenting on my shoes and my hairstyle and it's like no people are sitting there going what am I going to have for lunch did I leave the <laughs> iron on do I text that guy back and they're, they're all so concerned about their own stuff and their own baggage they don't have time to think about you and your stuff so no, it's, it's right. actually a challenge getting them to yes. engage with you
0: <laughs> and and if they are thinking about you at all they want you to be good they hmm. want this to be good not, not in a way of putting pressure on but they're just hoping you know I think we've all spent a day at something and if, if you you come away with two useful little nuggets, you will regard that day as having been um, well spent. Mm. So, you know, the pressure on you is not that not that great to deliver maybe one of those nuggets of, of the day. But as you say, most people, most of the time, especially now, they're on their phones, they're on their laptops, mm. they're doing, they're thinking other things.
1: They're all distracted. Ah,
0: mm.
1: oh, love it. Steve, thank you so much for joining me on the show. This has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad to have had you thank back. You. Is there thank anything you else you'd much. like to share with the listeners? Uh,
0: no, I, I don't think so. But thank you for saying that thing at the beginning. That's, um, that's really quite quite moving, actually. Thank you.
1: Well, it's true. So thank you. Love that conversation with Dr. Steve Carey. He was such an amazing guest and I was so glad to have him on the show for the second time. To connect with him, go to ahs.com.au. That stands for the Academy of Hypnotic Science, ahs.com.au. I'll also put his email and phone number in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash steve. Steve has also informed me that if you want a free audio recording of a hypnotherapy session specifically for reducing anxiety and improving performance, just drop him an email with the subject line, The C Method Offer. His email is steve.carry at ahs.edu.au or just visit the show notes. Okay, and before I leave you for this week, remember to go to thecmethod.com slash groupcoaching if you are interested in learning more about the six-week group coaching program for high-performing professionals who want to stand out at work, build their professional presence, and accelerate their career through being a strong, effective leader and speaker. Super excited for this program and can't wait to speak with you. And that's all from me this week. Thank you so much for spending some time today. Keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed.